Hey guys, I'm Caitlin Adams, and welcome to the Kirk Students Podcast. We're the student ministry from the Kirk Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you'll hear sermons from Josh Lyle, Colin Grant, and other guest speakers. You can look in the show notes for small group questions and talking points. Make sure you subscribe and share with anyone who follows Kirk Students. If you want to know more about us or get in touch, visit us at thekirk.com or follow us on Instagram at Kirk Students. Now, let's jump in. Like this tension of like, um, I'm a Christian, so I should be seen this way, or I should be living this way, or I should be, um, what, what's the, the whole thing on the Christian TikTok now? There's all these videos that I see on Instagram, because I don't have TikTok, and it's like girls or guys standing there, and then like there's words above them, and they point, it's like, are you a Christian, but you feel depressed, you feel sad, you feel lonely, you feel whatever, and then like at the bottom, they do their hands like this, and it's like, just read your Bible, and like while that's encouraging, and while that's great, it's not that simple. Jeremiah is proof that it's not that simple. Pastors are proof that it's not you are proof that it's just not that simple. But God is still calling us to his word. He's still calling us to himself. But like all of us have been here. And if you haven't been in this space yet, you just haven't lived long enough. Like it's coming for all of us. The hardness is going to hit. So now what do we do? Jeremiah is going to do three things or four things in this passage that that we're going to read, um, and then uh, hopefully we can kind of identify it. But then uh, parts of the Bible are descriptive. It tells you what happened, how it happened, why it happened, when it happened. But then other parts of the Bible are prescriptive. They're for you to take and implement in your life. So descriptive and prescriptive. In Lamentations 3, we have both. So he's going to tell you right now, I don't know uh, where my happiness has gone. I'm sad. I don't want to be in ministry anymore. I don't want to be myself anymore. I don't want to do anything anymore. I just want to sit in bed and, and not even do anything. I just want to be left alone. And that's how he feels. That's descriptive. That's telling you how, what he's going through. But then he's also going to do some things that are prescriptive, things that I do, things that you should do, things that anybody who is growing in the faith should be doing. So um, Abby read these verses. Uh, I'm going to start in uh, 19, and then we'll go a little bit further. So um, after he says, I've forgotten what happiness is, uh, he says, remember my affliction and my, and my wondering, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. So he keeps remembering how sad he is. He's got his focus in the wrong place. He's looking at the wrong social media feeds. He's, he's starting to be like, look, all I keep remembering is how bad it is. But then he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. So you can remember the goodness and the badness, but only one of them is going to carry you forward. Only one of them is going to propel you into God things. Only one of them is going to move you from where you are to where God is calling you to be. You can remember his goodness much more than your badness. Or much more than others' badness to you. See, like, this is a message for me right now. I'm sitting in me kind of being tired, me being a little off, not just today, but, like, the last week or two. And people are telling me these things. And I'm, I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to lean in. But more than that, I'm trying to remember the times that God has been good to me. I'm trying to look around and see all the faithfulness that, that he's shown in my life, all the times he's proven himself true. So he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. It's some of my favorite verses in the Bible. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, and his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So let's stop uh, right there. So um, in, in Jeremiah's, like, great is your faithfulness, he is acknowledging the reality of what is. 
you cannot change what is in the is. Does that make sense? Grammatically, that's not going to work out. But you cannot change what is in the is. You are in the moment where you are, and there are things happening to you that you don't have control over. That is the is. But then you have the do. So there's an is and a do, and you are the do. D-O, right? And again, this is not going to alliterate well or even like, if you were to type this out, this would make no sense. But there is what's happening to you, and then there is what you do about it. Or, as in Jeremiah's sense, what you do with it. Jeremiah acknowledges the reality that this is hard. That things are happening that he doesn't really understand, that he doesn't get, that he doesn't want. However, what he does, so there's an is and then there's a do, is he focuses on the hope that is, even if there does not feel like there is a hope now. There is a hope that will be that might not currently be. He, he sets his mind to the reminder of who God is, not the situation he's in. This is not uncommon for people in the Bible. This is not uncommon for God's people. This happens all the time in the Bible. Maybe we just don't know about it because we don't read it enough. Look at Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No one pushed them into the fire. All those people died when they opened up the thing and it burned. They walked in because there's a hope that will be more so than what is. There's a do. Daniel is, is praying with it in his room with the doors open, not with the doors closed. Like, because there is a hope for what will be, not just the what is. So he acknowledges the reality. However, the hope of the future does not always, does not always negate the pain of the here and now. We see uh, in the story of Lazarus that Jesus uh, is told his friend is sick. And they said, hey, if you come and heal him, he's like, great, I'll be there in a few days. And they're like, no, 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 you need him now. He's like, no, 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 I'll be there in a few days. But then when he gets to the tomb, Lazarus is already dead. He's been dead for a few days. Jesus was a little slow. Um, and, but it was all for a purpose. Like we see, like, oh, no, this doesn't lead. Like th th this is so that I would be glorified. This is so that people would see. So Jesus gets there, and even though he knows what is to come, he knows that he's going to raise Lazarus up from the dead, he weeps. He's sad. He's lost his friend. And even though he has an inside scoop into what's going to happen, and he has already been in the is, just because you know how it'll turn out doesn't take away the pain of the here and now. It doesn't negate the reality that you live in. Some, so um, some of us are in such a deep rut because you're in a rut and you just haven't looked in the right place. Some of us are in a deep rut because of things that we're doing in our own lives that are getting ourselves continually stuck in a rut. And some of us are in a rut because the Lord is putting you in a rut because this rut leads to the goodness of God being shown in your life. And you have to have hope for the what will be while also living in the what is. And what you do about it will speak to everyone that's looking. So Jeremiah doesn't pretend that everything's cool. He doesn't just be like, oh, man, everything is great. People keep beating me up. Everyone is listening to me. Look at all the converts. No, he's, he's honest. Things are not going awesome. Now, in this tension, uh, I like the way that Orange lays out their things because there, there's a truth. Jeremiah says, great is your faithfulness. Verse 24, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in them. This sounds familiar. This is David. This is psalm language. The Lord is my portion. He's all I need. He's every, now, it might not feel like this, but what's Jeremiah doing? He's preaching the gospel the best he knows it to himself. He's talking to himself in the pit about what is outside of the pit. He's talking to himself in uh, adoration language. He's like, no, 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 the Lord is all that I need, and I'm never without him. There's an adoration there, right? Like, there's like, God is, therefore I can be. He says, 
the Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in him. Verse 25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. So now he's telling himself to keep waiting and to keep seeking. He's telling himself how to kind of get over this little, huh, and it's really not like a low day for him. This is just like a normal Wednesday for him. Like, it's hard. He's lonely. He keeps being neglected and ignored. Like, this is like a normal thing for him. So I wonder how many, I, this can't be the first time he did this. Maybe this is like a continual thing, like a renewal thing. Like, the Lord is my portion. I, and I could just, so David did this as well in Psalm 42, I think, where he says, um, why are you downcast, O my soul? Hope in God. Believe in God. He's asking himself why he can't buy in to the fact that God is who he is. Like, why aren't you believing this? This is exactly what Jeremiah is doing. Why am I not buying into this? But then he says all the good things about God. Verse, verse uh, 26, then he tries to like actualize it, which is interesting. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his youth. So now he's not only preaching the gospel to himself, he's not lying to himself. He's like, this is producing something. This is good for me. This is good for the kingdom. This is gospel work. Like, he's not lying to himself, but he's just preaching the gospel to himself from a gospel lens, not from a worldly lens. There's a worldly gospel that tells you that everything sucks and everything's going to go wrong and it's never going to get better. And you just have to navigate through it. But there's a gospel lens of which the gospel of Jesus Christ says everything is working for his glory and for the good of his people. And you have to choose one of those. I don't think that the Christian TikTok is going to have those as an option. But, like, if you, you have to choose. I'm going to look at my situation through the worldly lens and through the worldly gospel and be like, I should have this or I should want this. Like, privilege is the, is the thing that keeps our young adults and our children in this nation in prison. You are in a mental prison because we have so much privilege. It's ridiculous. But, like, oh, I should have this better. Or I, I have so much privilege in my own life. I should have this better, or I should be having more of this, or, or something should be. And, like, that's not true. Ecclesiastes says it rains on the just and the unjust. God is working in this. He then goes on to say, uh, let him sit alone in silence when it's laid on him. He's trying to, like, all right, like, you could get through this because Jesus, like, he doesn't know the name Jesus, but, like, Jesus is also going to do this. He's like, you can get through this because, like, there, there's a heavenly goal in mind. Let him put his mouth in the dust. There, there may yet be hope, like, kind of getting up, right, getting excited. Let him give his check, or let him give his cheek to the one who strikes, and let him be filled with insults. Jesus says this. Jesus says, if you're hit on the cheek, turn the other one. Affirmation of Jeremiah's ministry, carrying, this is a thousand years before Jesus gets here. And it's, uh, Jeremiah didn't know that it was going to produce even the words of Jesus, but it is. Him sitting in this moment, uh, verse 31, for the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he causes grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of a steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. Now this passage is interesting because it's also almost similar, uh, almost the same as a passage in Job. Has anybody read the book of Job? Don't start there if that's where you're going to start reading your Bible. Don't start in Job. Don't start in Ecclesiastes. Don't start in Lamentations. That's the rules. I don't make them. I just follow them. So don't start in Job. But in Job chapter 5, he says, Lord, you bind up, but you heal. Or like you, you break, but you bind up so that we could be healed. Job is sitting in the midst of all these crazy things. He's lost everything. 
all of his money, all of his family, all of his everything. Job, Job is bankrupt. And he's like, surely there's a purpose for this because the Lord afflicts and then he heals. The Lord refines. The Lord renews. But this is, the, this is this like gospel of Jesus mentality. What I'm going through might just be for a moment, but it's producing a future glory. It's producing something. He does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. Like God is passionate about you. He, he, he loves you. He loves me. He's proud of me, and even if I don't see it. And he is working on me continually. Go down to verse 37. Then he reminds himself of uh, how powerful God is, essentially. And like, God is God. This is what he's going to say. Who has spoken and it came to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Who can do anything that the Lord has not ordained? Right? What, is, what does Paul say? There's no weapon that will form against you that will, that will stand. Like, it, it, it might get you, but it's not going to prevail over you. Uh, verse 38, it is, not from the mouth, is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? It rains on the just and the unjust alike. Like the Bible continues to repeat itself as if God has not changed. Why should a living man complain, a man, about the punishment of his sins? Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. So Jeremiah does four things. He remembers, he reorients, he restructures, and he revives or renews. You can say it that way. So he remembers God's love. He remembers that God loves him, that God sees him. And um, we, we had this conversation a few weeks ago. I can't remember. Who, maybe it was, was it Isabella. Uh, we were golfing. And we, we talked about integrity and honor. And, like, you know, someone's always watching you. So, like, you know, pick up, the, you know, even if it's not your trash, pick it up. Even if it's not your divot, fix it. Even, right? All these different things. So we, re, we remember God's love because when we do this, it allows us to think God thoughts. And it allows us to do God actions. When I'm reminded of how much God loves me, I then can best love other people the way God loves me. I'm putting, like, my future hope in present action. I am putting gospel knowledge and gospel encouragement into present, like, day. Into day-to-day things. He remembers God's love. He reorients his heart. Verse 21 through 33 is all about him getting his vision right. All about him fixing his focus. All about him looking in the right spaces. He's trying to make sure that he doesn't miss anything of God. Because if he misses something of God, he'll start to focus back on him. And his life sucks right now. He has nothing else but God. And that's enough. He reorients his heart. He restructures his faith. He doesn't deconstruct it. He restructs it. Deconstruction is the hot topic. It's all the rage. It's the coolest word right now. But he reconstructs. What if instead of tearing everything down to rebuild something anew, what if we just started building on the solid foundation that the Lord has put in our lives? What if instead of looking back and saying, oh, this is rubble, we're going to forget this, move it out and build up something new. Yes, God is always doing a new thing, but sometimes he's just doing a new thing in you on the foundation that he's already laid. All this reading, all this pursuing, all this praying, all this, all this seeking, right? Like Jeremiah is saying, like, I'm going to keep seeking. I'm going to keep listening. I'm going to keep sitting. I'm going to keep, I'm going to stay faithful. That's a solid enough foundation to continue to rebuild your faith. And then he revives his spirit. Let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. He's starting to worship. And if you know how the book of Lamentations ends, 
there's four or there's five chapters. The fourth chapter is kind of a little bit more sadness, actually, um, but it's all about like the breaking down of, of the city. Uh, but then verse five is a song. So Jeremiah ends his life singing, goes out and prays. Very interesting, right? And then the very last part of Jeremiah is when, or of Lamentations is when he's kind of like doing this song. He's like encouraging people to like return to the Lord and sing with them. And, and I'm, I'm wondering if that could be our response. If instead of letting the, the crappiness, instead of letting the, the, the lockdown of having to be in your house or not, or, you know, missing school and all these different things, instead of letting those moments define us, ooh, this is going to be good. Instead of, if, if, they, if they define you, then you're going to live in that for a long, long time, and no one's going to be better for it. But if you can use that as refinement, and you can see God working in it, you can see, man, you know, school was stress, being around those people was stressing me out anyways. I needed to take a little bit of a step back from being around people. And I'm not saying that, that uh, you know, the being ha- having a school at home or having to miss out on games. Or I'm not saying none of that stuff was stressful, and I'm certainly not saying it was fair. But what I'm saying is you have a reality that is, and then you have a do. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do about it? Jeremiah chooses to praise. So, uh, so last part, uh, I put on my, my, my note, my favorite movie is The Outsiders. So when we first moved to Tulsa two years ago, someone was like, hey, do you know The Outsiders is from here? I was like, yeah, I know. Um, and they said, hey, do you know that the house is still in North Tulsa where they filmed the, the movie? And I was like, I had no clue about this. I'm going to go see this house. Um, my dad and I and my brother, we used to watch this movie, you know, Pony Boy and Stay Gold and all that stuff. So, like, even now I'll see things in Tulsa where I'm like, oh, that is from that book. Um, and so, like, like the Golden Driller and all that stuff. I, I, love, I love The Outsiders, okay? S.E. Hinton is revolutionary. And I, I'm ho- I don't know where she lives, but I, th- I think she lives just in the neighborhood over from us. We're going we're gonna to find it one day. So, um, anyways, revolutionary author, um, kind of grew up in a, in, a, in a time where women didn't have much of a voice. So, when, when she wrote her book, she actually put her name as S.E. Hinton so that no one knew she was a female. Very interesting. And she writes about these real situations of real people who are in real hardship and who are going through real things. And and I love this movie because it's not so much like a story of overcoming. It's not so much, and I love the book, it's not so much um, a story of like what could be, but it's very much a descriptive reality of what is. This is how it was for them. This is what they were experiencing. It didn't negate the experiences that were happening at her school. Like used real people and, and as real examples that... And, and I love it because it's honest. And what, what if that is what's needed from you? What if we need you to be honest and acknowledge what is, like it sucks that we lost our season, or it is this, that I've been stuck at home with my parents and our relationship has, has never been worse and we're stressed. And all. Like what if you acknowledged it? But then... What if you started to place your hope in what could be or what will be? What if instead of focusing on the here and now, you were looking towards the city that had a different foundation? That you were looking forward to heavenly things, not just earthly things. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we love you.